this morning we're going to dive in. Um, I want to know, do you guys, are you guys like me and you ever talk to yourself? Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, you kind of talk, and then somebody's like, are you talking to me? And you go, oh, um, no, it's just me talking me myself through the day. Um, you know, everybody, I think, does this. Um, well, what do you say when you talk to yourself? You know, I'm not talking about normal stuff like, okay, I can't forget the milk today, and I can't forget to, you know, pick up Jillian from here, and, you know, because it was bad the last time, I, I don't know if I've ever forgotten you, but, you know, it would be bad if I forgot her. Um, I'm not necessarily talking about that kind of talking to self. I'm talking about self-talk. The stuff that you say over and over and over again in your mind. What do you say when you talk to yourself? If you're a lot like a lot of people, including myself, unfortunately, you get stuck in what some people, um, what some call a negative loop of thinking, a negative loop. You can continue to think about things that are often not helpful or they're even often harmful to you or to others. For example, if you're driving in traffic this morning, you may not think, oh, God bless all these amazing good drivers out in Pinellas County this morning. Oh, they're wonderful, right? You're probably thinking, oh, there's just a bunch of idiots everywhere I go. They drive like maniacs. They're teaching their kids to drive like maniacs. <laughs> In the morning, you might think, oh, I've got so much to do today. I've been guilty of that. And then at the end of the day, you wrap things up and you go, man, I didn't get much done today. You know, just full circle. If you think about money, your negative self-talk might be, I'm always just going to struggle in life. If you think about relationships, you might think, I can't trust anybody. When you do something wrong, if you're like many people out there, you'll say something derogatory towards yourself. You'll say, man, you're an, old, you're an idiot. You're always going to mess up in life. You're a failure. You can't do anything right. The question is, what do you say when you talk to yourself? And the reason I'm asking that question this morning is because what you say to yourself matters more than what you think. Scripture tells us in, in the book of Proverbs, and in, in the, specifically the Good News Translation, it says this. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think because what you think shapes your life. Psychologists call this the law of cognition. Essentially what the law of cognition tells you and teaches you is that what you think impacts what you believe and what, what you believe impacts how you feel, and how you feel impacts how you act and what you do. Your life is always moving in the direction of the strongest thoughts that you have. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Dr. Paul David Tripp, he's an author and pastor, he said this, I love this. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Isn't that right? <laughs> I love that. But what I don't like about that is that sadly, some of us are talking ourselves into a life that we hate. And that's why the title of today's message is Silence Your Negative Thoughts. Let's pray. God, we ask today that by your power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would not be conformed to the patterns of this negative and sinful world that is broken. 
but God, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds through your power and your strength. God, help us to think on you, on what's true, what's pure, what's right, and what is God-honoring. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you would agree that, um, unfortunately, this world seems to be becoming more and more negative? Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Chronic negativity, we could say, is becoming an epidemic of sorts. It really is. That's poisoning people's mental health. It's right and left. You see it everywhere. And unfortunately, um, this isn't just a practical problem. It's a spiritual problem that we have. Um, what I want to do today is I want to give you a found foundational thought that we'll, we'll come back to over and over again through this message. And I want you to re realize the following. I want you to recognize that your thoughts have incredible power. Your thoughts have incredible power. And the good news is that you have incredible power over your thoughts through God's strength and his power in your life. Your thoughts are incredibly powerful. Your life is moving in the direction of these thoughts. But the good news is that you're not a victim to, of your own thoughts. And by the power of God, you can actually choose what you think about. And what you think about determines how you live out your life. Your thoughts are incredibly power, and you have power over your thoughts. It was Apostle Paul who said in Romans 8, 5 through 6 this. He said, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. He says, those who live according to the flesh, that have their mindset on what the flesh desires. In other words, what he's essentially saying is that those who live according to their sinful nature have their mindset on that sinful nature, what the sinful nature wants them to do and desires for them to do. And how does this impact us? It says in verse 6, Paul writes, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life. And peace. If you find yourself this morning hurting, broken, discouraged, could it be that your mind is set on things of this world rather than set on the things of God? Because when you set your mind on the things of God and the things of the Spirit, you're going to find life and peace in all that you do. So this morning I have three um, goals for us. Um, there are three goals. The first goal is that I want to show you why negativity is not only hurting you, but your family, your relationships with others, your marriage, your values, the direction of your life, your outlook, and on and on and on. I want to show you why negativity is hurting you. And the second goal is I want to try and help you identify a specific area of negativity that you kind of hone on in in your own life and your own mindset personally. And then the third goal is that by the power of God's word, I want to show you how with the help of God, through his strength, through the, his word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can change from that which is bringing us death to that which is going to bring us life and peace. So there's three goals. So we're going to start with the first one. Why is negativity 
so toxic to us? Why is negativity hurting you holistically and those around you? And at its root, we need to understand that what we have is called a negativity bias. We're biased towards that which is negative. That's part of our sinful, broken nature that we're born into. We have a tendency to navigate this way, to go this way in our thinking. Neuroscience actually shows us this, that negative events imprint on our brains more quickly and linger longer than positive ones. They just stick easier than the positive things. Um, negative elements, sometimes bad, something, or something bad, something tragic, sometimes maybe something unfortunate that hits our brains, it just sticks longer than the positive ones. That's, that's bad news, right? <laughs> that's, that's a bummer to hear that. Well, really? Why, why, why? Um, I can prove this with a few examples. What do you think spreads faster on social media? Something positive or something negative? Negative. On a news station or on a news app, which stories gets the most views or clicks? The negative ones or the positive ones? The negative ones, right? They say in, in media, they say if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> and then maybe for you, maybe you have a presentation, maybe I have a sermon that I'm sharing and, and I'm nervous about it, or maybe you're nervous about it and you do the presentation, I, I'm doing the service this morning, and wow, five people come up to me, or five people come up to you and say, man, this was great, this is how it changed my life, this, these are some steps, and they really say, man, that was one of the best things ever, you crushed it, that was powerful, I love what you did, right, and you're thinking, all right, that's great, <laughs> five people loved it, but then you have one person that gives you a, a negative comment about it, at the end of the day, are you thinking about those five positive things that were said by those people or the one negative thing? Are you lamenting that one negative thing that that one person told you? If you're anything like me, you're lamenting over that one thing that person told you and not thinking about the five positive things that you heard. <laughs> I'm lamenting that negative thing because it sticks. It lingers longer than the positive ones. And what happens to us is, is this chronic negativity. It sends us into a constant state of flight or fight, and we're actually wired this way. It's not initially bad until it becomes bad. Because in any stressful situation, you might have heard of it, God designed our brains to release cortisol into our bloodstream, into our blood system, and that's a good thing. At first, it makes us alert, it makes us more focused, it makes us ready to deal with a problem, and that's good until it's not good any longer. Uh, when we become chronically negative, when we're stuck in this ongoing negative loop that we think about, we feel like we're always living in some kind of danger. We always feel like there's some kind of threat coming at us. And Paul said it this way, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What happens is most of what you see online is negative. Most of what your friends say is negative. Most of what you say to yourself is negative. Most of what you hear in the news is negative. And when you end up filling your life with all these things, you end up focusing on the negative and you're creating these negative neural pathways in your brain. 
we've talked about these neural pathways. When you think a thought once, it's easier to think that thought again. And when you focus on the negative, and you think on the negative more, and you hang around negative people, and you're surrounded by criticism, and you never think the best, but you always think the worst in a situation, you're creating negative neural pathways. And very literally, for all of us, what happens is that negativity, it becomes a habit in our lives. We just form a bad habit of creating negative neural pathways that we think of over and over and over. It becomes a default posture of our lives and how we live. It's thinking things are going to be bad and then they're going to get worse and then you can't trust anybody and everybody's going to let me down in life and all Christians are this and life stinks and it's going to get worse and my mental health is bad and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not getting anywhere with my mental health and I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to have a ministry that flourishes. I'm never going to be anything that really matters in life and I'm always going to be stuck here. It's negativity becomes a habit and it becomes your default habit posture. Think about it, it just goes and it rolls on and on and on in our thinking. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The news you consume, shows you watch, lyrics that you play over and over and over again, social media that you consume that makes you feel left out or jealous or angry or less than, the people that you spend your time around, they all create this inner script that directs your life. Your thoughts have incredible power over the direction of your life, but the good news is that you have incredible power over where your thoughts are taking you. So, whew, okay, hold on. <laughs> hmm. So, we now know, if you didn't know before, why negative thinking is toxic. Now we need to try and identify where we are most prone to negativity because we all are. It's in our sinful nature. What's your, according to the experts, excuse me, there are four big specific areas of negativity that each of us kind of gravitates towards in our life. And I want to help you define which one you gravitate towards because if you cannot name it, if you can't define it, you can't fight against it, um, you can't define it and defeat it. Um, there are four big categories. And the first one is called, what I'll call relational cynicism. It's cynicism. This is the way that you might think. Relational cynicism is a general distrust for people and their motives. It's, you just can't trust people. Treat people aren't to be trusted. They're going to take advantage of you. Everyone is out for themselves. All these pe all people are this way. No matter what you do, um, that person's going to look out for their own interests. Nobody's really generous. Nobody's really benevolent. You can't really trust people. That's relational cynicism. For some of you, maybe you know right now, yep, that's my one. I really am. I just, I, I just don't trust people. I think they're out for themselves all the time. Um, I don't have a good view of people. You might just know that's you right now. Um, there's a second category, though, and this is called negative filtering. What is negative filtering? Negative filtering is only seeing what is wrong. It's finding the worst possible thing to find out. It's skipping over and overlooking what is good. It's looking, overlooking what is right, and it is skipping right to the negative. It's assuming the worst possible outcome in a situation. 
your kids are running late, and you think, oh my goodness, they must have been in an accident, and you thought that the last 18 times that they were late, but they were never in an accident, but you still continue to think that. You jump to the worst possible situation. Or you text a friend, and the friend doesn't respond for two hours, and you're going, oh my goodness, what did I do to my friend? Why are they not responding? They must be mad at me. It's looking for what's wrong instead of what's right. And we see this a lot of times in a lot of different ways, this, this negative filtering. You can go on a vacation, find out what's wrong with that vacation. You go to a restaurant and you find out automatically what's wrong with that restaurant. You meet a person, you figure out right away, oh, that person has that issue, that's what's wrong with them. You go to a church and you know what's wrong with that church. It's negative filtering. It's finding what's wrong instead of seeing what's right. And some of you, that might be yours. There's a third category, and it's called absolute thinking. What's this one? Absolute thinking is polarized thoughts. This is kind of the all or nothing, the black or the white. If a man hurts you, all men are bad. If a woman lies to you, all women are liars. If you make a mistake, it's like, oh, I'm just dumb. I can't do anything right. If you disagree with someone about an issue, you write that whole person out of your life. In fact, we've seen a lot of this type of thinking, I think, over the past few years, more than maybe even in the past. People think, well, they think that, so forget them because I'm right and blah, 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 blah. It's absolute thinking. And some of us, we might be, those, be there and we just don't even see it. We're kind of blind to it. We're a jerk to everybody uh, because we're right about something. But just because you might be right doesn't mean you're being righteous in a situation. The final and fourth category of negative thinking is blaming. What is the area of blaming? Blaming is kind of playing the victim card. It, it's always believing that you are a victim of your situation. The reason why you're where you're at in life is because someone else did something to you and got in your plan or way or took your toy or didn't give you a chance and you feel like you don't have control over what's happening to you. You're just a victim of life and its circumstances. And there's no way for you to get ahead in the world because the world is just stacked up against you. There's just no way. All of these categories, all of this raises a question. If you find yourself in one of these patterns of, of thinking in one of these categories, being constantly jealous or critical or discontent or assuming the worst, if you're hard on other people and negative um, about people, or maybe even if you're hard on yourself, can you change? Is it possible to change? Which leads us to the third goal for this morning. Can you shift from a chronically negative mindset to one that's full of faith and reflects the heart and character of God? Can we shift? And the answer is yes, you can, but it's not, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, I want to share with you an interesting study that we're going to get into looking at David in a moment, uh, King David. But the study was an imaginary new surgical procedure. And they took two groups of people and they presented this the same new surgical procedure with different odds of success versus failure to see if these groups thought it was a good procedure or a bad procedure. The first group, they said, hey, there's a 70% chance of success in this surgery. And the other group, they said, there's a 
30% chance of failure. That's what they told them. Essentially the same odds, but a different way of presenting this procedure and the results. They asked the first group, hey, if there's a 70% chance that this is going to succeed, is it a good procedure or a bad procedure? And as you might expect, the majority said, oh, this is actually a good procedure. This is good. <laughs> to those who were on the other side, the, the side that thought there was a 30% chance of failure, they asked them the same question. Hey, is this a good procedure or a bad? And they said, it's bad. This is a bad procedure. This, this is no good. And you might expect that hearing those questions. And then in the study, they wanted to determine, can you switch what you think the results would be if you simply change the narrative, if you change the perspective? So they went to the first group and they said, well, we're glad that you think that this is a good procedure, but what if we also told you that there's a 30% chance of failure? Knowing that, do you still think this is good? And the majority who first said it was good, oh, wow, now that you put it that way, ah, this is a bad procedure. I don't want this procedure done. Well, then they went to the second group, the 30% chance of failure, and they changed the perspective. They changed the narrative. They said, what if you think about it this way? What if there was a 70% chance that is actually a positive thing? It's going to be a successful procedure. Do you now change your stance? What do you think they said? Those who said it was bad initially, even after the switch, still said it was bad. Proving that you can change your perspective, but to change from negative to positive is not natural and it's not accidental. It takes intention. You might need a little supernatural help from God and a little intentional work on your end, and this is where we're getting to. It really matters because your thoughts are more powerful than you think and you have more power with God's help over your thoughts than you think that you do. How do you do it? How do we practically change? What I want to do is look at the most powerful illustrations of, of the mind with King David in the Old Testament. If you want to open to 1 Samuel 30, there's this story that we're going to reference in there of David approaching this super negative situation. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 30, he is bombarded, he is blindsided by an avalanche of negativity in this story. I want to give you a little bit of context. It was a super bad day. David. David, if you think about your week and maybe you had a bad week, David's was much worse. I can almost guarantee it. <clears throat> David and his troops had just come home from battle and they tragically had discovered that an enemy force had burned their homes and kidnapped their wives and their children. So you have these warriors coming home and, and you, they see the devastation their families are missing. Their children are gone. Things are burning to ash. And, and David thinks, it just can't get any worse than this. But they burn our villages. Our families are gone. But it got even worse because his own men decided to try and turn on him and thought about even taking his life, about stoning him. It says, when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Some of you may feel close to that right now. <laughs> Maybe you're hurting so deeply with something that's going on in your life. There's so much pain, anxiety, 
fear and you've wept. You just wept aloud because it's just so heartbreaking. It's so hard to process. It's so hard to get through. It's so negative. And, and you just have no more strength left to weep. Maybe you're kind of close to that. And, and David, he's, he's just greatly distressed too. He says he was distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters, of the whole situation, of everything that was happening. It's a worst of worst kind of situation. It's negative, just thrown, this avalanche heaped upon David. And in the middle of one of his worst and lowest moments, Scripture says this in verse 6. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. In the middle of an avalanche of negativity, he found strength. And some of you, it's time to find some strength this morning. For me, it's time to find some strength this morning, not in our own power, not in our own positive thinking, but in the power of a life-changing presence of God in our life. David found strength in the Lord. And I love how King James Version translates this. The King James Version says, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Some of us are in a world of chronic negativity. We, or we are. We're in a world of chronic negativity. We need to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We need to learn how to do this, to learn from David and to do this. And what did, what did David say? You know, you look after verse 6 and you go, well, what, what, how, did, how did David do this? I don't see any words. I don't see any scripture that he quoted. There's nothing. It goes on with the story. And eventually um, they end up finding their families and getting their plunder or what was plundered from them, taken from them and bringing it back and celebrating that because God helped them after this time of David encouraging himself in the Lord. But what does David do? What does that mean? What can we do? What, how can we learn from him? And the answer is we, we don't know here because scripture doesn't tell us, but we do know what David said other times and other places. And it's very likely that he said similar things to what he um, says here. Oh, similar things in other places that he says here. So let me give you a couple of examples of this. Um, Psalm 103 verses 1 through 2 says, Praise the Lord my soul. Oh, my soul. And that's not like just a sing song. It's like, hey, soul, wake up. Praise the Lord. It's more of a command to his own soul to praise the Lord. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not what who God is and what he has done for you. The one who forgives your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies you with desires and good things. He says, hey, David, remember, remember self. He's talking to himself. He's encouraging himself. Remember, God anointed you as king. He chose you. Hey, hey, he sets you apart. He delivered you from the lion and the bear. He gave you faith and the courage to stand against the giant. Remember Goliath? Remember that he protected you from the spears of Saul. Remember who God is. Remember that he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And he encourages himself in the Lord. And then in Psalm 103 verse 8, it says this, 
David writes, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Who's ever heard that verse before? A few of you. Okay. Okay. I'm going to ask you, are you sure it's that verse? Are you sure it's that verse? Because David also said, it said this in Psalm 108, but he says it again in Psalm 86, 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Anyone heard that one before? Are you sure it was that one and not the other one? Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it was this one too. Psalm 145, 8. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Have you heard that verse before? Are you sure? Was it was it a different one? Was it the one before and the one before that? Because evidently David wasn't very creative, was he? <laughs> when he's talking to himself, he said the same thing over and over and over again. The Lord, he is gracious. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger. He is rich in love. He is righteous. He said it again and again. Not very creative. And what's crazy is that David wasn't even the first person to say that. He was copying it. You know who he plagiarized? God. He copied God. God was the first one to say that in Exodus 34. What's interesting is when things got bad, David didn't have to go searching through his Bible and doing a Google search on a good Bible verse to look up in the situation that he was in. He had already hidden God's word in his heart, which is so appropriate because when Dr. Lennox was here last week, he was talking about the unshakable joy that comes from the scripture. He talked about what? Hiding God's word in our heart. He had it hidden. He knew that God said it about himself, so he was going to tell himself that that's who God was to get through his situation. He said the same thing to himself over and over and over again. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And I want to give you a tool to help you uh, encourage yourself in the Lord this morning. You ready for it? One of the greatest tools that I can give you is to start acting like a cow. I'm serious. Start acting like a cow. Sounds kind of funny, but what does a cow do? One of the things a cow does is something called ruminate, which is really, really cool. What does it do? It takes a mouthful of grass and chews it, swallows it, and then throws it back up in its mouth, and then chews it, gets every bit of nutrition, swallows it, and then throws it back up again in its mouth and chews it again. Anybody ready for lunch? <laughs> Besides being really cool, That's really gross, right? But why does a cow do that? It's because he wants to get every bit of nutrition out of that grass that he has taken. So the cow ruminates. And it's interesting that the same Hebrew word in the Old Testament translated as meditate can also be translated to ruminate. Ruminate, meditate, chew, enjoy, Get every bit of spiritual nutrition from God's word over and over and over and over and over and over again until God's word is hidden in your heart. So when you find yourself in a tight situation, you don't look for a verse. You've already got one here that you can recite, that you can encourage yourself in the Lord with. David said this, the Lord is slow to anger. He's compassionate. He is gracious because he's been meditating on that. He's been ruminating on that, what God said about his character. And so we need to learn how to meditate 
on God's word. I shared with you a few times that during my sabbatical, God worked on my heart performing soul surgery. I know that God's been doing the same thing on John's heart. My, my mind, my heart, it needed to reconnect with God in a new and a fresh way. Uh, my soul needed some mending. And during this time of sabbatical and what I'm trying to continue doing now and re-entering normal life is to ruminate and meditate on some scripture. And some of these scriptures are that for me are Psalm 151, 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your and uphold me with a willing spirit. That has been a prayer, a ruminating prayer of the things that I want in my life. I want that pure heart. I want that renewed, fresh spirit in my life. I want to be in his presence. I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit is close, that I'm seeking him in all things. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus and that that joy of my salvation is there and that I am serving him with a willing heart. That is something I've been ruminating on. Also, Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This, for me, ruminating on this, what this means is that I don't just go through the motions of life. Because going through the motions of life and just surviving creates that calloused heart for me. And what, I, what this is a reminder of is that God doesn't give me a calloused heart. He gives me a heart of flesh, a, a, a new spirit within me. I've, I've ruminated over Isaiah 40, 30, 40, 31, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings with like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Whenever life speeds on by and I'm caught up in the whirlwind, I go, oh, wait, hold on. I have to wait on the Lord. He's going to renew my strength to face whatever's ahead in my day, to face whatever's ahead in my week, and I need to be on pace with God so that I walk and not faint, that I run and that I don't grow weary. I ruminate on these things. And as I ruminate on these scriptures and I get them in my heart, these passages, they start to heal me. They start to change me. They start to transform my heart, my mind and my heart and fill me with joy, with power, with strength to face whatever this negative world throws at me and gives me victory over these things. My mind starts to be different and act different. And I'm in that process. Man, I'm telling you, this, the message I'm sharing today, I'm right there in that process. So I am learning and growing in this for sure. But I do know that the mind governed by the flesh, by our sinful nature, it is death. I've been caught up in the negativity of life and all the external pressures that, that pressure me to feel like I have to perform instead of taking the strength of God from the inside and letting it flow outside as I wait on him. And today, I'm growing. I'm different. I'm being transformed, and you can be too. We need to ruminate on God's word and let it transform our minds. And some of you, in addition to this, some of you, what you need right now is a negativity fast. We talk about fasting from food. We need a negativity fast. I'm serious. I'm serious. Whatever it is that's freaking you out, that's got you worried, that's got you thinking negatively, um, the, watching the news. Maybe you, some of you watch the news every day. You like to be mad and ticked off at everything. So you turn it on. You just, oh, I can't believe the world that we live in is just falling to pieces, right? You read the news every day or you watch news every day nonstop. It's on all day long. Turn it off. 
There's so much peace that comes with just turning it off, of not reading it, not opening it up to fasting from the negativity that we're constantly feeding ourselves that's creating those negative neural pathways in our lives. Sometimes we need a fast from constant news or a fast from social media that makes you feel left out and horrible about yourself. Like, just don't look at it. <laughs> Maybe some of you are in a YouTube rabbit hole <laughs> and you're fighting a battle that only this many people are fighting and you think that the world's coming after you and, and you don't even know that you're lost in an algorithm um, that's feeding you the same type of garbage over and over and over again. That's just destroying your soul. Maybe you just need to stop looking at social media for a while or YouTube for a while and take a break. For some of you, maybe it's your friends. Every time you're together, it's just a hate fest. You get together and you criticize the church. You criticize those people. You criticize that group. And you criticize, criticize, criticize. Your thoughts are incredibly powerful, and you have power over your thoughts. When we can do something to change the power or the pattern of our negative thinking, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord, we can ruminate on God's word, and we can fast from the things that feed negativity in our lives. So earlier, we way back, we rewind, we went over four big, big categories of negativity. And you made a note of what those are. And to end this morning, what I want to do is give you a spiritual truth for each of those categories based on scripture to ruminate on in each of these categories. If you find yourself leaning towards one of these lines of thinking, I would invite you to get out your phone because it's too much to write. We don't have an hour for everyone to write down every sentence that's going to be in here. But if you have your phone or later you can revisit on YouTube or Facebook and rewind and screenshot or take notes later. But these are some power thoughts, these scripture power thoughts to combat these ways of thinking when you find yourself going down neural pathways. When you're faced with the negative thoughts, you can ruminate on these and repeat them over and over again. So I wanted to give you a moment to get out your phone to take a picture. And maybe you take a picture of all of them because maybe you think somebody might enjoy getting this power thought too. They've said, man, I just, I don't know how to stop thinking this way. I hate thinking this way. Maybe something will help a friend that you have as well. So you ready? If you find yourself battling with cynicism, remember you don't trust people, People are bad. They're not generous. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. You might say this power thought for scripture over and over again. With God's help, I will get rid of all bitterness and skepticism. I choose to believe the best about others and be kind, compassionate, and loving. I will love and forgive others as Jesus has loved and has forgiven me. And you ruminate on that. Whenever you think about a person, man, I just can't touch that person. People are not good. Uh, instead, pull this up on your phone. Pull up the picture and go, okay, God, with your help, I will do this. If yours is negative filtering, you jump right over everything that's good and you jump to the worst possible, possible outcome. You're thinking about the negativity. You can ruminate on this. God, by your power, I take every thought captive and make it obedient to the truth of Christ. Because you are good, God, I choose to think on what is good, right, true, helpful, and worthy of praise. As I trust in you, 
your peace will guard my heart and soul and mind in Christ Jesus. Help me to think on godly things. If yours is absolute thinking, if you are thinking, you know, black and white, oh, all, you know, I was wrong by this person, so oh, they're all wrong, and I, this church did this, so all churches, whatever your absolute thinking line of thinking is, you can say this, as Jesus loved and accepted me, I will love and accept others. This is God's word. Rather than always being right, I'm called to always be loving. Rather than just making a point, I choose to make a difference. And in humility, I choose to love others above myself. You can ruminate on that. And then finally, the fourth category. If you find yourself always the victim, always blaming other people, this is why I'm in the situation I'm in. The world's stacked up against me. You can say this. God has given me a life and a mind of my own. By his grace, I will own my choices and choose God's best for me. Not what other people, God's best for me. I've been given everything I need to accomplish everything God wants me to do. And in Christ, by his power, by his blood, by his stripes, by his spirits, I will overcome. Because I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the words of this testimony. The mind governed by the flesh is death, is destruction, is darkness, is negativity. Who do you think that's from? It's, our, it's from our spiritual enemy, right? The father of lies who comes to steal, kill, and destroy us. To give us that mind that's governed by the flesh that leads to death. So what do you, do you want to be swept up in the latest negative news and the gossip, lowering yourself to the lowest common denominator of popular opinion, just caught up in that wave still? Or are we going to today stand up for something that brings glory to God? To say we're not a victim of what goes on in this world. Instead, we're going to choose to see where God is working in. We're going to choose to look for the good in people. I'm going to choose to be loving and kind and full of grace. Because I know that my thoughts have incredible power. But I, through God's grace and his strength and his power in me, have incredible power over the direction of my thoughts. Therefore, affecting how I feel. Therefore, how I live out my life. I so want that for me, and I want that for all of us to have that victory, to live victorious lives through Jesus and the strength that he gives us to defeat the lines of negative thinking, to silence those negative thoughts. And so, God, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word, to hear from the, your example, David, to know that we, with intentionality and work and through your power and strength, we can break the uh, the addiction, the habit of negative thinking, God, because we all are prone to this negative habit, that this negativity bias that goes on. It just, our brains are made up that way. Just the negative thoughts linger there. And so, God, it takes work. It takes intentionality. And, and I know it's easy to get distracted from that. I know that when I get back on track and I'm doing these things, man, there's such freedom, there's such power, there's, there's a direction in my thinking that shifts. My life starts to be transformed. But if I get distracted by busyness, by other things that the enemy brings my way, it's easy to get off track and get caught up in that negativity loop again. And so, God, I pray that we would have grace for ourselves this morning, that we would know that 
you know, we're not perfect. We're going to mess up in this, but God, help us today to commit to thinking about things of the Spirit, <laughs> to think about what you would want us to think about, to be intentional in how we ruminate on your word, how we hide your word in our, your word, God, in our hearts, how we value and encourage ourselves in you, in your strength, in who you are, and in your character that we learn about in scripture, God. I pray that we would be intentional about learning about you, learning about the strength and the power that you have to overcome the negativity in our lives, God. I pray that you would heal us of the negativity, that you would silence the enemy in our lives that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, God, that instead we would think about life and peace and hope and joy, unshakable joy in you, Lord, that you offer us. Help us to be intentional, to ruminate, to maybe fast for a week, two weeks, maybe a month. Maybe we cut out something out of our lives entirely. I don't know what you're calling each and every one of us to do this morning, but God, some of us just need to take a fast. We need, we need to break off from whatever is feeding negativity from our into our lives, God, so that we're able to ruminate and focus on you. Because when there's all the distractions and negativity, God, there's not much room left and we need to create room. So God, help us to be obedient to whatever you're asking us to fast from that feeds negativity into our lives so that we can be more focused directionally on you, on your Holy Spirit that gives us life and peace. God, help us to be intentional. God, we can hear positive things. We can hear a different perspective on things. But God, unless we take the steps to encourage ourselves in the Lord and to do these things, God, it's really difficult to get out of the mind loop or negative loop of God. And so I ask you would help us to be on track, that you would help us to break the chains of this epidemic of negative thinking in our lives, God, and that you would Come, be overcomers through Jesus Christ, the great overcomer, the victor over death, over sin, who is alive and reigning and that creates a place for those who love him and serve him. And God, we thank you for that today. We claim victory over these things in our lives. Help us through your power and your strength to experience life and peace and unshakable joy this week. God, I pray for all of my friends here that you would be with them, that you would strengthen them and call, her into deeper, call them into deeper faith and trust and obedience in you. God, help us to just fall more in love with you. God, help us to delight in sharing the gospel of God, but also our lives with one another as well. Be with us as we go this week. We praise you. We praise you ahead of seeing the victory, God, and we believe that there's victory to come, and we thank you for it, and we claim victory today. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, we just want to remind you this morning um, as you leave to um, about our tithes and offerings. The plates are located at the doors, and there's a variety of different ways. Also, turn in the blue cards as well to me, or you can put them in the plates as well. We want to invite you back next week as we continue in our Peace of Mind series. And I'm trying to think what next week is. Oh, Yes, dealing, dealing and healing from trauma in your lives. And not just is any kind of trauma. So that's what we're going to be addressing next week in the series. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We look forward to having you back joining us. God bless.